0: I would like to welcome you to the workshop series titled God's Financial Wisdom for Young People. The presenter, Tom Copeland, is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom has helped thousands of people learn and apply God's financial principles. Tom is the founder and president of Copeland Financial Ministries and his financial moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations. Now here's Tom teaching God's Financial Wisdom for Young People. I'd like to welcome you to this series called God's Financial Wisdom for Young People. Although the biblical principles t- taught in this series can benefit anyone of any age, the practical application, including the real-life case studies, will be focused on the financial challenges that young people face. And by young people, generally I'm speaking ab- uh, about people between the ages of 15 and 29 years of age. By the way, this is session four of eight sessions on this topic of God's financial wisdom for young people. So if you haven't seen the other sessions, be sure to check them out. They should be available on our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. And in this particular session um, number four of the eight session series, it's titled Secular versus Biblical Perspective on Money. So here's the first question that I have for you to think about. Do you think there's a difference between a secular perspective as opposed to a biblical perspective on money and material things? What do you think? What do you think about that? And do you think Christians ever fall into the secular mindset? In other words, do Christians ever have a secular perspective on money? Well, here's the key biblical principle for this session. The answer is yes. There's a tremendous difference between a secular perspective versus a biblical perspective on money and material things. Young people, middle-aged people, and older people can struggle with a secular perspective on money, even if they're Christians. And to demonstrate the difference between a secular perspective and a biblical perspective on money, I will now provide a comparison of the typical actions and attitudes of a secular person versus a biblical steward. So I'm using that analogy, secular person versus biblical steward, for those that have a secular versus a biblical perspective on money. As I go through the comparisons of the typical actions and perspectives of a secular person versus a biblical steward, I would encourage you to prayerfully ask God to reveal to you any areas that you need to deal with. I would encourage you to pray as David did. David prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So here I'm gonna start with the comparisons. I've got eight of them for you. The secular person typically believes that we own our own material resources. Well, the biblical steward acknowledges that God owns everything and that we are stewards or managers of what God has entrusted to us. In Psalms 24 it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And First uh, Timothy, for those people that think, um, I, own, I own what I have, God doesn't own it. Think about what First Timothy 6, 7 says, where Paul said, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. A split second after you die, you're gonna realize that you're not really a, an owner of the, the financial resources that you have. You're just a steward, you're only managing them for the short period of time that you're here on earth. As a young person, even if you have very little income, you need to be a good steward of the money that God has entrusted to you by spending wisely. That is, on needs and not wants and desires. In Matthew 6:31 to 33, Christ promised to meet our needs, but not necessarily our wants and desires. And also as a young person, you need to plan and save for future needs. Proverbs 21:20 20 says, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Remember, even if you have a little, Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So it's important that you demonstrate that you're trustworthy with a relatively small amount of income. And if you do that, the odds, probabilities are high that God's gonna entrust you with more. But if you're not trustworthy with a small amount, God's gonna see, hey, if I give you more money, you're not gonna be trustworthy with that. And I know that from decades of experience and watching how people manage money. If they don't manage a small amount of money properly, according to biblical principles, they'll just apply the same thinking, the same worldly mindset to a larger amount and uh, nothing, nothing will really change. The next point, a secular person looks to self and the wisdom of this world for direction, while the biblical steward looks to God and his word for direction and using financial resources. Remember James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, we all lack wisdom. We don't know the future. We don't know what the best decision is. Sometimes we don't have all of the financial facts. So God said, If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And in Psalms 1, 1 it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Bottom line, we need to look to God and his word for direction in using the financial resources that he's entrusted to us. People of all ages need God's wisdom and direction in managing money. But one thing that's key for young people is that if they have a secular perspective on money, it can have negative implications for many years, actually even for the rest of your life, if you don't learn to manage money God's way. However, if they get into God's word on finances and change the way they think so they have a biblical perspective on money, it will impact them positively for the rest of your life. If you're a young person, it'll impact you positively for the rest of your life and God will bless you accordingly. The third point I like to make is the secular person gives God and his work the leftovers, which are usually small. The biblical steward gives God the first fruits. In Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, whoever, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Many young people have very limited income. I understand that if you're in university or college, or you know, maybe you're just starting your first job. But nevertheless, God wants you to give him the first fruits in order to demonstrate your faith and your trust in the Lord. Conceptually, this means making, making giving to God's work a priority. The tithe is strictly a guideline, it's not a legalism. And so, for example, I'd say a young person that, that is giving to God the first fruits and making it a priority, you may only be giving three to 5% of your income, but that can actually demonstrate sacrificial giving, especially when you have a modest income. Each individual needs to pray and discern what God's specific will is for them with respect to giving. Number four, the secular person is generally discontent with their present level of income, they want more. However, the biblical steward is content with God's provision. First Timothy chapter six, Paul said, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And of course, Hebrews 13:5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Many young people demonstrate a lack of contentment by buying things they really don't need, such as designer clothes, eating out, expensive coffee, holidays, purchases from Amazon, Netflix, movies, new electronic devices, etc. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist said, Be content with your pay. God wants all of us to learn to be content with His provision, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. The fifth point is that the secular person struggles with the fear of the future, or the fear of losing assets. Well, the biblical steward puts God first and trusts God to provide for their needs. Matthew chapter 6 is a powerful scripture where Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Those are needs. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. What a promise from God. Put Him first, and He's going to meet our needs. However, in the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 also says, Um, You know, what are we supposed to do in all of this as Christians? We're supposed to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. So we're to put God first and trust God and He will meet our needs. As we put God first, Christ promised to meet our needs, but not necessarily our wants and desires. Often young people buy things they really do not need on credit cards, student lines of credit, student loans, 0% financing of cars, and accumulate a lot of debt and later suffer the consequences. I can tell you this from decades of experience you will be much better off long-term if you work hard including a summer job when you're at school and part-time work during the school year and spend wisely and trust God to meet your needs. So as a student work during the summer full-time, work part-time during the school year and spend very wisely. The sixth point I'd like to make is a secular person believes we are accountable to no one. We can do with our money as we wish. Well, the biblical steward believes that we're accountable to God for how we use the money that God has entrusted to us. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give account of himself to God. And in Matthew chapter 25, that's the parable of the talents. And if you remember that parable, that's where God entrusted five talents to one servant, three to another, Sorry, two to another servant and one to a third servant. The Bible says that after a long time, the master returned and he made the servants accountable. By the way, not for 10% of what they had, but 100% of what they had. And it's interesting, the first two servants, the one with five and the one with two talents, they went and put the money to work. They obviously used their abilities that God gave them. And they, in each case, they, they, they returned and they, they gave the master considerably more than what he had, had given them in the first place. The third servant, on the other hand, he was lick, he was he was lazy. He did nothing. He made no effort to invest his master's money. He, he didn't use any of the skills or abilities uh, to utilize the money and material things that God had entrusted him with, and and um, the master took away what he had. And what what's often is is uh, misinterpreted is it says for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. That scripture is often misunderstood. What it's saying is for everyone who has been a good steward of what God's entrusted to them, God will provide them with more. But if someone's been a bad steward, if they haven't followed biblical principles, there's a risk that God could even take what they have. You want to make sure that you're a good steward of what God has entrusted to you. I find this, many young people find that they're not accountable to God with respect to how they manage money because they don't have a lot of income. All because you don't have a lot of income doesn't mean that you're not still accountable to God. Remember in Luke 16:10, Christ talked about you need to be trustworthy with a small amount before you're going to be trusted with a larger amount, and and the parable of the talents. That's one of the key scriptures that's that's uh, emphasized there. The key principles is that once you show you're trustworthy with a smaller amount, God generally will entrust us with more, and He wants us to be a good steward. And and but if you're not trustworthy with a small amount, when you get some more money, you're going to apply the same worldly thinking, the same non-biblical mindset, or secular mindset, and secular perspective on that money, and you're going to manage it basically the same way. Actually, often if people are not good money managers, if they get more income, they can actually get into more trouble, more debt, because they have a higher borrowing capacity. The key point is this. The conclusion in the parable of the talents is that God makes it clear that all of us need to be faithful. For whatever he's entrusted to us, and by, by the way, you can demonstrate that trustworthiness not only by giving to God's work, but using the funds wisely to buy needs and not wants and desires. If eventually, when you get married, uh, you know, buying using them for needs for your family—that's certainly biblical. God will bless that. But if you if you do nothing, if you make no effort, and you don't even acknowledge that it's God's money that you're managing, then um, you you're, you're just not going to manage it God's way. And you're not gonna put yourself in a a position where God can bless you. The seventh point I'd like to make is the secular person wants to keep up with the Joneses. That is, uh, they have an issue with covetousness. uh, They want what other people have. In Exodus 20, chapter 20, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The biblical steward, on the other hand, has learned to be content with God's provision. And here's a powerful scripture the apostle Paul gave us in Philippians chapter four. And you know how committed Paul was, but even he had to learn to be content. Here's what he said. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And here's a question to think about. What was Paul's secret to learning contentment? His secret was to develop a close personal relationship with the Lord so so that you can be focused on things of eternal value rather than things of temporal value. Remember money and material things is very temporary in nature. You brought it a split second after you die you will realize how temporary it was. I find for many people they struggle with covetousness. That is they want they want what someone else's has. It could be their designer clothes, their newest smartphone, it could be a vacation that they took, uh, it could be almost anything. Uh, many young people struggle with covetousness. The biblical antidote to many worldly perspectives or worldly attitudes, including covetousness, is to learn to be content with God's provision. Learning to be content is the key. And I find learning to be content is to focus on your relationship with Christ and on things of eternal value. I think of Colossians uh, chapter three where Paul said, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things, on things above, not on earthly things. And as you focus on things of eternal value, the salvation of people, ministry work, that kind of stuff, the temporal things, getting that new material possession or whatever it might be, become a whole lot less important. And you start building up treasures in heaven as Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6. And the last comparison I'd like to make is a secular person has, these are typical of the character traits of a secular person, prideful, greedy, fearful, dishonest, selfish, covetous, trusts in self, loves money, unrighteous, and generally frustrated. The biblical steward character traits, on the other hand, generally are he's humble, generous, faithful, honest, content, loves the Lord, righteous, peaceful, and trusts God. So I would encourage you to go through those eight comparisons, maybe at another time, and pray and ask God to speak to you as to what areas you need to work on and whatever areas you need to work on. Meditate on the scriptures that I've highlighted here and God, through His Word and His Spirit, can change the way you think about and managing money. And speak, speaking of scriptures, i like to give a recommended memory verse for each session. And the one for this one would be the following. In Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So here's the first case study. Olivia is married to Joseph, and Nancy is married to Kevin. They are all Christians and currently work full-time, earning average incomes. However, their perspectives on money and material things are very different. Olivia and Joseph attended an in-depth biblical financial study several years ago and learned God's way of managing money. As a result, they're doing many good things, including the following. They're diligently following a budget to ensure that they spend less than they earn and they have a surplus to pay down debt, and save for future needs. Olivia and Joseph have learned that God owns everything and that they're stewards of the money that God has entrusted to them. They make giving to God's work a priority. They prayerfully review God's financial principles and seek God's specific will before, before they make any major financial decision. Olivia and Joseph spend money only on needs and not wants and desires. Olivia Olivia and Joseph have paid off all of their debts and saved a good down payment for a house. The bank approved Olivia and Joseph on a large mortgage, however, they decided to prayerfully review God's financial principles and discern God's specific will before purchasing a home. Olivia and Joseph prepared a monthly budget beforehand, allowing a cushion for unexpected expenditures, and they calculated how much they could afford to borrow. The debt they assumed was significantly less than what the bank had approved. They continued to manage money God's way and a few years later, Olivia got pregnant and because of their minimal debt load, she had the option of staying home with her baby. Nancy and Kevin, on the other hand, have managed money very differently. During university, they both accumulated significant debt on credit cards, student lines of credit, government loans, etc. After university, they both obtained a good full-time jobs and purchased brand new automobiles with 0% financing. A couple of years later they got married, had no savings, just a pile of debt, and they arranged to borrow money from their parents for the down payment on a house. However when they applied for a mortgage they were turned down as they both had too much debt and a bad credit rating so they continued to rent. Unfortunately Kevin missed out on a good job opportunity because he had a bad credit rating. A few years later Nancy got pregnant and she wanted to stay home with her baby but that was impossible she had to continue to work full-time in order to service their debts. Even though they both worked full-time with decent incomes, they continued to spend more than they were earning and accumulate even more debt. After a season of time, phone calls from creditors has become very commonplace in their home. Almost every day now, Nancy and Kevin are arguing about finances. As a result of the financial stress, their marriage relationship has deteriorated significantly. And they are both fighting and both considering a separation and possibly a divorce. So here's some questions with respect to these case studies. In what ways has Olivia and Joseph acted like a biblical steward? Provide a reference to scripture if you can. So there's the first question. In what ways has Olivia and Joseph acted like a biblical steward? Think about that. Here's my suggested solutions. Olivia and Joseph acknowledge God's ownership about the money that God has entrusted to them. In Haggai 2.8, God said, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Secondly, they are content to live within the income that God has provided. And we know that Paul talked about godliness with contentment being great gain. Thirdly, they have put God first and trusted God to meet their needs. They've, they followed that proverb about um, trusting the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Number four, they save for future needs and they provide a cushion within their monthly budget. Proverbs twenty one twenty says, the wise man or woman saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Five, Olivia and Joseph are in the habit of paying down debt and using debt only when absolutely necessary such as the purchase of a home. So they're avoiding becoming a servant to the lender, which the Bible warns about in Proverbs 22.7. Further, they've developed and implemented a budget. In the, the parable of the tower in Luke chapter 14, Christ admonished us to plan ahead. And one of the most practical ways to plan ahead is to develop and implement a budget. It's, uh, it's, it's practical, it's biblical, and I can tell you when people don't do that, They often spend more than they're making, accumulate debt, and they get into financial difficulty. All of us need a budget of some kind. If you don't like the word budget, call it a spending plan. They prayerfully review God's financial principles. That's key. They know what God's financial principles are, and they discern God's specific will before they make any major financial decision. And one example is the purchase of the home, but they did that even before they they bought a car. They asked God for his wisdom, James 1, 5, and they asked God to direct them. In Psalms 32, 8, God promised, he said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. And they made giving to God's work a priority. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 again says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So questions, uh, here's the second question. In what ways have Nancy and Kevin, that's the other couple, acted like a secular person. They took a very different approach to managing money and provide a reference to scripture for each point. Think about that. Here's what I had. Nancy and Kevin act like owners, not stewards of God's money, spending as they wished and using debt freely. First Corinthians 4.2 says, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Faithfulness to God and managing the money that he's entrusted to us is the key. And they weren't faithful at all they were just spending the money on wants and desires anything they wanted they're accumulating debt they're violating a lot of biblical principles and not really looking to god and his word for any any uh, direction secondly they've accumulated too much debt and they've limited their future options for example nancy had to continue to work full-time in order to service her debts and if you remember kevin missed out on a bad uh, missed out on a good job opportunity because he had a bad credit rating And i can tell you today more and more employers are doing a credit check before they hire an employee. Further, they were discontent to live within the income that God had provided to them. They did not trust God to provide for their needs. They didn't really put God first and trust him as we're admonished to do in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. They didn't pay their debts on time and they developed a bad credit rating. In Romans 13, 8, it says, let no debt remain outstanding. They didn't follow that that biblical principle. Point number six, they did not develop and implement a spending plan or a budget. In Proverbs 21, 5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And by the way, they were a very um, um, bad testimony to their Christians as well, given that they had a bad credit rating, means they didn't pay their debts on time, so they're a bad testimony to their creditors. And think of Matthew chapter five, where uh, Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven what kind of a light in a world of darkness is a christian that doesn't pay their debts on time and number eight as the financial stress increased they did not seek god's wisdom james 1 5 they did not seek god's direction psalms 25 12 and in particular with respect to their violation of biblical financial principles rather they started considering a separation and divorce, which is not consistent with Scripture. And by the way, I know from decades of experience, seeing hundreds and actually a few several thousand people that have separated and divorced because of money problems, that doesn't solve their, their financial problems. It actually makes it worse. So that's not a, a wise option to choose. So the third question I'd like you to ask, what do you think Nancy and Kevin should do in order to get their secular perspective on money and material things in order to deal with their secular perspective on money and material things and develop a biblical perspective on money. What do you think they should do? Assume that you're their financial advisor. What biblically-based financial advice would you give to them? And provide a reference to scripture for each point. So think about that. What would you advise Kevin and Nancy to do? Here's what I had. Nancy and Kevin need to learn God's way of managing money. Psalms 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. God, through his word, can direct us. It's powerful and it's truth. Secondly, they need to renew their minds. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? How do you change the way you think? It's given in, um, in Joshua 1:8, where it says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Also, they need to participate in a biblical financial study. They need to get into God's word. A biblical financial study would be really good for them. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and arrows. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Number four, they need to confess their sins of violating many biblical financial principles. In 1 John 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Five, they need to pray for God's wisdom, James 1.5, and God's specific direction, Psalms 32.8, before, before they make any major financial decision. They haven't been doing that at all. Number six, they need to learn to be content with God's provision. As I quoted in Philippians 4.11-13 earlier, even Paul had to learn to be content. They need to learn to be content, and that means they're going to have to downsize their lifestyle and their expectations as well. Number seven, they need to manage money God's way and trust God to enable them to pay down their debts and meet their future needs. Scripture is clear that if we put God first, God will meet our needs. And so one of the things they need to do is trust God to meet their needs and just focus on spending money on needs, reduce their lifestyle and start to pay down some of their debt. And the last point, they need to understand that separation and divorce is not going to solve their financial problems. It's only gonna make it worse. Uh, Jesus talked about in Matthew, in John eight thirty two, to his disciples, if you are truly my disciples, then you'll hold on to my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, this couple is following, following a secular perspective and a, and a worldly mindset in managing money. They're doing it from a, a secular, worldly perspective, and they're getting into financial trouble, and it's even um, resulting in a destruction of their marriage relationship. I can say this, I've counseled thousands of people over the last four decades, and unfortunately most people have no idea, these are the bad money managers, they have no idea that how they manage money can not only negatively impact their future financial position, but it can easily destroy their marriage relationship. No idea what at all. all. So I can tell you this of interest in the next session, session five of this series, God's financial wisdom for young people. I'm gonna specifically deal with um, it's going to be specifically orientated for engaged couples or anyone who thinks they may get married at some point in the future or perhaps for newlyweds. So be sure to watch that half-hour show. It's, uh, it's available on our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, I pray that everyone uh, listening to this program, that you would touch their hearts and their minds through your word and your spirit, and especially the young people, that you would just... Um, Uh, encourage them, Lord, to um, take the time to learn what your word says on finances, to apply it in managing the money that you've entrusted to them. I pray that you'd help them to develop a biblical perspective on money and eliminate any worldly perspectives or secular perspectives. Father, just uh, guide and direct them and help them. I pray that uh, lives could change. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to learn more about God's Word on finances, be sure to check out the numerous resources available at copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance.